Our guest today is Ian Jensen van Rensburg, who's the Chief Technology Officer for Sub-Saharan Africa at VMware. Welcome to the podcast, Ian. Thanks a lot, uh, Faris. I, I was very impressed with that pronunciation that you uh, did on my name and my surname. Yeah. I, I understand that my surname is uh, more of a sentence than anything else. And I'm not talking about a sentence. I mean, it's like a jail sentence <laughs> to pronounce it. So, so thanks for that one. You're welcome. It's more like a haiku. Yes, yes. That's why I said jumbo. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So um, just give us a brief background on who you are. Like, how did you get into tech? Your yeah. Life story. Okay, that's that's an interesting one. Yeah, so some, um, as far as I said, my name is Ian. Um, I've been in the IT industry for over 25 years. Uh, worked for several companies before I joined VMware. Um, I was operations director, worked with uh, technology sets like Microsoft, Citrix, and uh, you name it, uh, back in the day. Started with VMware about uh, 16 years back um, as a senior solutions engineer. Uh, moved onwards to uh, into uh, management and currently I'm the solutions engineering director and local SSA CTO for VMware Sub-Saharan Africa. And uh, to be honest, I've never looked back since, since I've joined VMware. Awesome company, awesome innovation. So what does your day job look like? Day job, I actually do nothing. Um, but when I do something, uh, I, I actually have uh, a lot of customer meetings, a lot of partner meetings. Um, I love to discuss, uh, you know, what VMware is doing in the, in the customer space, in the partner space. Uh, we do presentations. These days I've been traveling a lot, uh, specifically with uh, vForum and, and all our uh, events that we've been having. But then also, you know, I, I am also a manager and I feel a manager should lead by example. Uh, I try to stay up to, uh, you know, up to point with, uh, with all the technology sets and so forth that we have, which is very difficult sometimes in VMware because uh, we do bring out a lot of software and a lot of innovation in a short period of time. And at night when I'm supposed to sleep, I, I study for my my master's in digital transformation at the University of Hull. So, um, yeah, not like I said, I do nothing. <laughs> but you also do a lot. Yes. Um, how do you think CIOs should navigate the various challenges that they face today? Because the, the challenges we face um, generally as an industry move from sovereignty to security to modernizing your workloads. Um, how do you think, what feedback would you have for how they should handle these challenges? If I could give advice for CIOs today, um, it really starts with your people. Um, the technology is out there. There's a lot of case studies. We know the technology works. We know that cloud works, um, even though it can be expensive, but it, it works. Um, we know that the focus should be on security and, and, and infrastructure and applications and cloud and all that type of stuff. But if you're not going to incorporate all of those things to match the people and process within the company, you're going you're gonna to be in trouble. Um, if the people and process is not behind all of that and you have various silos within the company, um, you're going to stay in that siloed state and you would not be able to drive innovation faster and move forward. So something is either going to break the silos, force you to break the silos, or if you have a, a very good informed CIO, you'll, you'll create something like a center of excellence 
where you can have representatives of each silo in the center of excellence and then so being actually start breaking down the silos gradually. Yeah. So your feedback is basically that the role of the CIO is more managing people and less focused on the actual technology. I think it's about a 50-50. A, a, um, a lot of CIOs these days are becoming more and more technical. Um, they want to understand more about the technology so that the influencers or the people, their teams, um, if they come to them and say, hey, uh, Mr. CIO, we need to take everything to the cloud, um, that the CIO can make an informed decision on uh, what he or she should be doing with the technology that's being put in front of them. Um, but a big part of that is to get the people aligned, to get the people positive, and to keep them um, um, you know, innovative and, uh, and focused on what they need to do. Yeah. And so what role do you believe tech strategy plays um, in a CIO's job on a daily basis? Tech strategy, I mean, ultimately a CIO will never get uh, into a space where, they, where they're touching the nuts and the bolts. Um, I mean, not even myself. I'm not, don't ask me to go and configure a port on a switch or um, deploy a router or something like that. I'm, I'm, I'm not on that technical level anymore. Unless it's family. Maybe. Yeah. But I also, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I think a CIO should know enough to be dangerous. Uh, they should have a high level uh, idea of everything that they want to do. They should have an architectural background so that they know how everything fits together, whether it's storage or networking or security and, and so forth. Um, and I have seen CIOs become much more technically orientated as well as business orientated, where the, the CIO of the past was, was um, seriously businessly or business orientated, sat with the budget and um, allowed their teams to make the decisions on their behalf. That's definitely changing. And so, more, speaking more about risks, what is something you feel that CIOs miss today on a daily basis? Something that's important, that basically nobody's paying attention to? A lot of CIOs that, uh, that I've spoken to, um, specifically in the financial sector, uh, has told me we've got a cloud-first strategy. And because some of the mega cloud providers are marketing quite well and they're selling a good story, the CIO automatically says, we're going to go to cloud. We're going to take everything that we have in our private data center, just move it into the cloud, and um, that's the way we're going to, um, you know, don't renew your VMware, don't renew anything, just go to cloud. And I think the, the, the picture that they're missing here is it's not so easy to just go to the cloud. It's, there's a lot of red tape, there's security risks, um, you have lock-in, um, the cost is a big factor, and then obviously the skills that you need to implement for each and every single uh, cloud vendor. So I would say CIOs need to double-think the cloud-first approach because that will lead to cloud chaos but what VMware is saying, you need to be cloud smart and you need to have the ability to run on any cloud infrastructure um, uh, wherever in the world. 
Yeah. And so related to that, when it comes to cloud migrations in particular, what do you feel should be the biggest priority for a farm? Cloud migrations, I always say, you know, and I, I know when in 2006 when Steve Ballmer jumped on stage sweating profusely, <laughs> um, he shouted developers, developers, developers. And you know what? I agree with him. Developers are very, very important to, uh, to customers today and, and to drive innovation. I think Steve Ballmer just shouted developers a little bit early. If he did that today, he would have been a massive hero. Not that I'm saying he's not. But um, with cloud migration, one of the biggest things I think CIOs and their teams need to focus on is what applications are running within the infrastructure. Having a cloud-first approach is great, but if you don't know what applications are running in your infrastructure and you don't know what the dependencies of those applications are, like, um, you know, core banking. Can you just move your core banking environment into the cloud? It's, it's, uh, it's my answer is no. Yeah. Um, is there banks that um, develop their core banking as a function in the cloud, like New Bank? Yes. They started off with containers and microservices um, running on AWS and Docker. So different strokes for different folks, but ultimately it comes down to the end user experience and modern business will run on modern applications. They need to look at the application strategy. Yeah. You've worked for VMware for a, a while. And um, one of the things I was wondering is what have you learned from your customers? Because you've, sort of had a smorgasbord of experience. You've worked with banks, telcos, startups, and everyone. What have you learned from them, and what do you feel they should appreciate about your role as a vendor? What I've learned from customers is a lot of customers is scared of change. Yeah. They do not want to be the cowboys. They want to be the city planners. They want to have traffic lights in place. They want to have good roads. They don't want to be the cowboys that actually implement the new technology first and test it. And I'm not saying that's all customers. There is customers that absolutely they are the cowboys and they are the ones that if new technology comes out, they, they, they install it immediately and test it out. So what I've learned is some customers actually are dragging behind the curve of technology. And that is because they are scared of change. They, they don't want to get out of their comfort zone because they're too scared they're going to they're gonna not be on that 99.999% uptime uh, ratio to, to deliver on the business needs. Um, so I would say, you know, moving forward, you need to fail fast, get it right, and move on. It's about 99% planning, 1% execution, but you have to start somewhere. You have to start. If we're talking about modern applications, it doesn't help a customer keeps on hearing about modern applications and, and, and Tanzu and Kubernetes and microservices and, and containers and everything. They have to start. They have to start somewhere by implementing it and by um, running uh, that environment and uh, testing it, and then uh, slowly but surely starting to implement it. Okay. And so what do you wish they learned about like VMware? Because 
I've observed that customers tend to struggle with with trust when it comes to vendors because the whole idea is that you're looking to make a buck and mm. so there's a very adversarial relationship between the vendor and the customer and so you've worked for both the end users the resellers and now the vendor correct how would you wish um people and un- better understood your role well i'll give you i'll give you a, a, a live example i won't mention the customer name but it is a, a large um customer of ours in south africa but they're also worldwide they also have offices in the uk and america and all over the world and i asked them why vmware why is he so such a champion and why so pro vmware as a vendor and his answer to me was ian i know vmware's got my back in other words he said if i implement vmware software in my company i know you would not drop the ball you would if there's a bug you will try your best to fix it support will always be on my side if they just a phone call away and uh, uh, or a web click away um from our site and from a sales perspective from an ac perspective you always go the extra mile to 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 bring that um and solidify um the the backing of of vmware as a company yeah. and i i can i can vouch for that um vmware does not back down from a problem when a customer hits a problem and um with we our software is also solid enough and stable enough that uh, customers don't experience a serious amount of downtime etc if if vmware uh, is running within the environment so it's ultimately just boils down to trust boils down to trust but you know trust is earned yeah. and vmware over the years have earned our trust in the market space yeah. as the the most stable the most reliable um hypervisor technology and virtualization provider um and we didn't do that purely because we forced trust upon our customers we had to earn it Yeah. Um the proof is in the pudding. You know yeah. where the rubber meets the road is when a customer has been running VMware non-stop with zero downtime for 5 plus years yeah. and they're still sitting on a very old version of VMware but guess what? It runs. Yeah. They've almost forgotten about it. Yeah. And so moving shifting gears to basically talking about um Africa, um sub-Saharan Africa in particular. What are your thoughts on the tech ecosystem as you see it? Um and uh level level of maturity that we have as a market I must say I'm, I I travel quite a lot um I've traveled to the states uh I've traveled to Europe and I travel I do travel a lot um in in Africa um countries that I go to is Nigeria um was been um recently been to Ghana Nigeria now Kenya I also traveled to Botswana Namibia and 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 some of the other ones Angola and so forth and what I see um is a need for to learn more so in africa the people that's in africa are curious they want to learn and they want to increase their their skill levels and i would not say from 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 an africa perspective we are behind the curve which concerns uh, european or american uh, type of countries i think the only place where we lacking might be connectivity 
Um, so in many countries, connectivity and access to internet and access to good electricity might not be the issue in Kenya anymore. I heard that you've got some good electricity um, running in the country, but even South Africa at the moment, uh, which is part of Africa, by the way, in any case, some people don't think that, but um, we've got some serious issues regarding electricity. So if we look at the electricity problem, um, and some people that want to immigrate to Australia and the Netherlands and some other places, we are losing some good skill um, in Africa and the, 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 the shortage of, of electricity, networking, internet access and so forth is actually holding us back. But I don't think the willingness to learn and to change um, is the problem. Okay. So what do you see as the future of tech in Africa? Future of tech in Africa. That's a, that's a great question there, uh, Fariz. So I would say with, the, with Africa, there's lots of challenges. Um, there's access to internet challenges. Like I mentioned now, there's, there's power challenges. There's, there's various other challenges that we have to deal with in a third world country that first world countries don't have to deal with. But it's also to our advantage. Because of those challenges, we are innovating very quickly. I mean, look at M-Pesa and what you are doing here in Kenya with M-Pesa and the way that you pay and so forth. It's far, um, it's, it's, it's really come a, far, uh, a long way and it's far beyond the type of payment technologies and so forth that's in the rest of the world. But this is in Kenya, you know. So you have found a way to take an, a, a problem and... Uh, put a solution to that problem. So the future of tech in Africa, I would say, is innovative technology that is built on, it could be vendors, it could be developers that developed um, a technology to actually counter challenges that you have in Africa. And what does the future hold for you as Ian? Hey man, the future hold for me as Ian, well, I really, really do hope VMware, you know, keeps the 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 the, the family-like um, uh, culture, um, our epic values, uh, and so forth. And if VMware maintains its epic values, um, our our great culture, uh, our great innovative technology, the future for me, I would like to stick in VMware, you know, yeah. I'd, I'd like to still stay. It doesn't mean because I've been there for 15 years, I can't be there for another 15 years. Yeah. I really do like VMware as a company. Yeah. So I really do hope we keep on innovating, but without changing and fundamentally changing our culture yeah. and our people. Yeah. Otherwise, if that massively changes, the future might be, I don't know, at another venture capital company somewhere. <laughs> Thank you so much for making the time today, Ian. We appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for you, uh, for, his, for, for hosting me. Yeah. Been a pleasure. Thanks. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, that marks the end of the podcast. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs>